This is Upload Media. Hello and welcome back. Welcome, Bizak. Welcome back, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> To your favorite podcast, Others. (laughs) With your favorite hosts, Sarah and Caleb. That's us. We're here. We're here and queer. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. I was reading this thing today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look at me reading. Okay, wow. It was on Instagram. So the validity is 100%. Sus. Oh, I was going to say it is legit. Oh, super valid. But it was talking about how... Not all, how did they say it? Not all LGBTQ relationships are queer. That queer is more of like a mind frame or like a... Interesting. Um, yeah, a perspective or a focus of living your life mm. and not just like being gay. Right. Do you agree? I don't know. I mean, I think I'd have to read the post. I think I'd have to like understand where they're coming from, you I know, because, you know, because I, I'm afraid of erasure, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's like a big thing uh, that I feel towards, especially bisexual people, mm. is that bisexual people are erased in mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. um, just because they, you know, might be operating in or living in a situation where they're dating or with somebody of the opposite sex that that erases their bisexuality. Mm. And that's that's something that I feel like I want to fiercely protect for them. Mm. You know what I mean? And so like if, if a bisexual person is with a, a person of the opposite sex, like that relationship so can still be uh, queer in some way, mm-hmm. you know, because one of them is queer. Right. Well, I think they <coughs> described it, queerness as just like, yeah, a mind frame, like a, a frame of mind which dismantles whatever normal sure. boundary is set in place. Yeah, and I think that brings into question like heteronormativity, mm-hmm. right? And I think that looks a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any relationship, whether it's gay or straight or any you know version thereof, I think can have a, a queer filter. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if roles are you know traditional roles are reversed. Mm-hmm. You know, where like the the father is the primary caregiver for the kids or if you know like i just feel like there's different ways in which heteronormativity like kind of protects patriarchy and protects like um cis male people mm-hmm. um that i think any kind of altering or um yeah alteration of that construct feels you know potentially queer to me mm-hmm but doesn't have to be, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. I think it depends. It's, it's situational, I really. I think the question that was answered by this post, like that yeah. was posed and answered is, are non-monogamous relationships queer? Interesting. And it was saying like, yes, it can be, but no, mm. it isn't always. It like sure. depends upon the beliefs and uh, structures, I sure. guess, that are in place in that particular relationship right so like a relationship where you know there's poly 
polygamous relationships, right? Where there's like, you know, uh, one man and like a bunch of sister wives. That's not going to be a queer, relationship, a queer relationship to me. Relationship. You know, that's a really like uh, bigoted, patriarchal, um, religious kind of conservative uh, situation. Mm -hmm. You know, not to judge those people, but... Mm. <laughs> you do you. But, but you do you. <laughs> you know, you live in that world if that's your choice, but... Um, but then there's people who live in polyamorous relationships where that construct from the outside can look similar, you know, right. where there's like multiple people living in, as a family unit, um, living in a relationship with each other where there might be just like one guy and multiple women, but that could be queer, you know, mm -hmm. because those women could be bisexual or, you know, whatever. Right. So that could look different. It is situational. Well, I like that answer. Yeah. I just thought it was fascinating. And <clears throat> again, my little Karen part was like, really? And mm. then I pondered and asked you. Right. Well, I think, you know, this goes into a lot of, I think, what we talk about um, is that there is in heteronormativity that there's like this one, like it's a box, mm -hmm. right? And nothing can be outside of this box. And you have to play by the rules and you have to look and act a certain way mm -hmm. within these confines, right? Within the structure that exists has been, you know, created to exist. Mm -hmm. And what we're experiencing in our own lives, um, you know, somebody who is queer, somebody who's uh, a homosexual, like, we op we op we operate outside of the box. Mm -hmm. We check our own boxes. You know, we um we live outside of the norm or of like the socially um, prescribed way of living with mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Well, good answer. Well, good question, right? To start off I our know. episode, Look at us go. <laughs> thinking deep. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about. Yeah. You know, because I live my life in a certain way. I live my life, my own life, right? But I like to think about other people's experience. And so that's why I follow a lot of trans and um, queer people and people who are non-binary and lesbians on TikTok and Twitter and social media in general. And um, yeah, everybody's else's, everybody else's experience of their life is so fascinating to me, especially mm -hmm. when it's not heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Hetero people are boring. <laughs> Sorry about it, straights. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, straights. Your life Myself is included. boring. Yes, my life is boring. I mean, boring. I have been known to, like, physically, visibly look disgusted when people say straights. straight things, you know? <laughs> uh, <that was laughs> like, so ugh, ew, straight? No, couldn't be me. <laughs> I know. I know. Sucks to suck. One of the things I love about you is that you don't say straight as a direction. Right. You're always like, go, go forward. forward. <laughs> we never go straight, we go forward. <laughs> <laughs> and I've like taken that into yoga. So when I want to say like straighten your leg. I'll mm. say extend your leg. Yeah. It's actually funny because the the teacher class that happened before us, uh, it was Amy Summers who was asking me more uh, inclusive language mm. for, um, for directions for yoga. And we had a really great discussion about it. Huh. Because, I mean, she was worried about, you know, people being triggered in class. And I think that, that you know, it's a legitimate concern. Um but it's something that I, I think about a lot, too, because we taught the Ken and I taught the uh, trans and queer yoga class yep. at the studio for 
a while and that's even coming up with the harmony fest mm-hmm. um and so that kind of inclusive language is important i think i agree you know yeah it's complicated it is because but i don't i don't want straight people to think i'm angry at them you know what i mean like i'm not angry at straight people for being straight mm-hmm. i think um for me it's like this uh I don't know, holding on to what I perceive other people expecting out of me, mm-hmm. you know, and because I don't fit into that, that I have to kind of, I don't in order to protect myself, kind of shuck that off in a kind of, I don't know, not aggressive or hostile, but I'm, you know, vigilant about it almost. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's the reverse of homophobia. It's like heterophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Heterophobic. I'm you know? of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of being perceived as straight, you know, or that like, I don't want to be put in those boxes. You're afraid of being perceived as straight? I don't, I don't know. Cause that's another thing that is brought up in the street, uh, in the gay culture the all the time is that like, there's this idea of like this kind of like putting up on a pedestal of like being able to pass, mm. which is really, um, uh, disgusting to me in a so lot of basically ways Basically, we're all no matter what we are trying to assimilate to whiteness yes and get as close yeah to we can, right as close as we can to that right and there's like even on like grinder the gay dating app or the gay hookup app right there's people with profiles that say no ma- uh no femmes only into masks people and so like there's this idea where like um gay people can't just be gay you know, whatever that looks like for them, however they present, you know, that there are people who only want people who present as masculine or people who only want people who present as feminine. And for me, I feel like I can be both, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those kind of masculine feminine energies are like social constructs, you know, cause whatever that looks like has changed so much over the course of history, I agree. you know, like what you wear, the way you put your, like have your hair or whatever. Um, it's complicated, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always it's it's always so socially programmed mm-hmm. in a specific point in history. And so I think it's important to be able to disconnect that from yourself, mm-hmm. from your idea of like what's attractive or um, what you find attractive almost even. Mm-hmm. You have to like deconstruct that. Yeah. Right. I just love this. <laughs> I know. I didn't expect for us to get into this kind of conversation right off the bat. But yeah, I'm Me into neither. it. Yeah. I'm also into it. Well, what's your experience with that as a as a as a black woman? Like with like, do you feel like you I mean, maybe we've talked about this before. Do you think that there's like, well, we know that this happens, but fetish fetishization of yes. your body because you present a certain way or you look a certain way because of the color of skin or whatever. Well, absolutely. I feel like, um, you know, I tend to date men of color more often than I date white men. People of no color. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the absence of colored men. No melatonin. Yes. Or melanin. Melanin free. Melanin, yes. Melanin free men. Um, <laughs> but... Some of the white men I have dated are like, oh, well, I only date black women. And I'm like, why? Mm. Why do you do that? Just because, like, factually, you can find data that supports all races of people dating and marrying and reproducing almost exclusively in their own race. Right. Yeah. So for you to be like, I only date outside of my race, I'm like, 
first of all, what happened mm-hmm. to make you think, I don't know, what happened in your brain or in your life to make you right. only choose people outside of your race? Um, and are am I being fetishized? Fetish, fetishized? Fetishized. Yeah. I hate trying to make that like a an adjective. Right. <laughs> I hate that word. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's weird. And then there's, you know, men that are black or of color who only date biracial women or light skinned women. Mm. Um, and that, I mean, colorism can go down a very long path. Yeah. So that I get it from both sides. Sometimes it makes me uncomfortable. Sure. It just is what it is. So this is what it makes me feel like too, is that like, especially within the dating world, right. That I have to fit into some kind of box. Right. And I think it speaks to a larger kind of like social, um, I don't know, pressure Mm -hmm. to look or be a certain way. Mm -hmm. Right. For, for a potential mate. Mm -hmm. Right. That this is what people are looking for, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I have to be like this in order to, you know, for somebody to find me attractive or to find me valuable or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can look like so many different things. But I think, like I said, it's so socially programmed because I think, you know, racism is socially programmed. Right. Right. Um, and colorism is a part of that. Yes. Right. That like if your skin is, you know, a shade dark, then like that means something about you as a person mm-hmm. that that speaks to, you know, how you're going to act or speak or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Or like what value you give another person, mm-hmm. which is so gross. It is gross. I had a lot of friends growing up who w- equated, I don't even know how to say this like tactfully. There really is no tactful way, but equated being a true black person with skin color, but also like uh, fam- familial wealth. Mm. And so because I grew up middle to upper class white, Mm-hmm. They'd be I remember one particular day a friend of mine we had to have been like freshman in high school she was like well I'm blacker than you because my family's poor mm. I was like bitch first of all your family owns like two businesses you're not poor right you own a home like you have generational wealth in your family your family owns a home your family owns vehicles your parents own businesses and at the end of the day you're not a person of color you are a white person but there was always the assumption that because I had I speak the way I do mm. or I am intelligent right. or I was in advanced placement classes that that moved me further away from being Ugh. an authentically black person, right. which really bothers me. Yeah. Well, and that's racist. It is racist. <laughs> I know. Well, fuck. But, you know, like at 16 or 14, mm-hmm. who wants to tell all their white friends, like, you guys are racist and then not have friends? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the lived experience, I think, to speak up against that stuff. Sure. Um, well, I mean, like, let's talk about that, too. The lived experience or even, like, the the, the courage to, like, be mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. you know, because you are, right? Yeah. And I am, too. Yeah. And to say and to acknowledge and to honor your difference is so scary, especially as a young person when, like, inclusivity or, like, being a part of a group or whatever, there's a reason why so many, like high school movies are about clicks yeah you know because you want to be included you want to feel like you're a part of you know the greater community of your age group right Mm -hmm. 
And so exclusion is like the worst mm-hmm. possible outcome. Yeah. Socially. Yeah. And in high school is probably when I gravitated away from having a majority of white friends mm-hmm. into having a majority of friends that were people of color. Yeah. And I've probably been mm, 70, 30, 70 people of color, 30% non people of color since. Well, I'm honored to be part of that, <laughs> that 30%. <laughs> just because I want to, and not just black people either, like mm, Hispanic sure. people or Latina, Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, again, I think I've said it on one of our last episodes. Maybe it was the last one that came out. I feel like I'm forever trying to atone for my ignorance. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. And so like that's a lot to unpack. I know. I feel like I Mm. go really, really hard on the activism and like Mm -hmm. anti homophobia, anti bigotry, anti racism shit just because I'm trying to make up for the ignorance that I embodied when I didn't know better and couldn't do better for myself. Well what's that statement? Like you don't you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right? That it's and I think, you know, when you come to acknowledge like your your other Ness, mm-hmm. right, is when you realize that there's so much to know about mm-hmm. and unpacking because the systems of oppression, the systems of othering people of marginalized communities, of minorities, or whatever, is so vast. Yeah. The way that it affects and infiltrates every system, like the healthcare, government, you know, local politics, the way that, you know, you run into somebody on the street, mm-hmm. society at large, community. Mm-hmm. It's so wild. It is. I remember the last white man I dated, he was a well-meaning white. Mm. And he was a nice man. You met him. Yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he... <laughs> <laughs> I yes. just wanted to make sure. <laughs> no, I'm very much uh, in love with your life. And so I definitely have tabs on all the people that you are or have dated. Okay, good. Well, I remember one day we were talking about race and I'm I'm sure every time I got on my little race pedestal he like wanted to jump ship. I'm sure he just fucking couldn't stand it. But we were talking about um black or the rate of mortality of women of color in hospitals because he was going mm. to nursing school. Yeah. And so I brought up the fact that the death rate is significantly higher for all women of color when they go to have a baby. Right. Um, the post-op like return rate for complications is extremely high. It's mm. just, it's all bad when it comes to people of color in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And he actually had the audacity to ask me to go find a peer reviewed article. Source? Yes. Oh, okay. Source material wow. to back up my claim that <laughs> people of color face disparities in healthcare. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't like a, I'm not speaking out of my ass here. Right. This isn't a flat earth rounder. Right. Like it, it just is. Right. Like, well, and there are actually research. Yes. There is research about this. It's a, there are numbers. These are statistics. Yes. This isn't my opinion. Right. And if you want, and if you want that information, you can go and Google it. Yes. Because that information is out there. Yes. It's available. Why do I have to to educate you? Right. I did. I went and I found several peer reviewed Mm -hmm. articles on Google scholar and sent them to him. And then I was like, what are you doing, Sarah? Right. Having to prove that. Yeah. 
Why? Oh. Why would you? And then he actually, maybe a couple months later, we shortly ended our relationship after that. Mm. Probably because partially of that reason. Yeah. Um, but he then learned about it in nursing school and sent me like a screenshot of the material they were learning. And he's like, OMG, you were right. No shit. I was like, I hate you. Right. Like, that's gross. It is gross. But I mean, I feel like it speaks to this idea of like what what, what I feel like we're doing here. Right. Is like combating this like ignorance. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't want ignorant people to feel bad about themselves. I do. But no, just kidding. Well, there's a difference between ignorance and like not knowing until, you know. Right. And then there's willful ignorance. Right. Which is malicious. If you happen to just be blissfully ignorant because no one's shown you the way. Right. Come along. We'll help you. Right. But if you're just ignorant because you're stupid and you don't. Right. You're not taking the care to educate yourself. Or you don't want to. Yes. Then that's a whole nother thing. You're right. Right. That. Yeah. But it's it's tricky when you are of an othered community because people that even my allies or people who I know. And it Mm. kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with Robin about our family. Can Mm. you be a good person and be a homophobe? Right. Like, can those things exist at the same time? Mm. Um, This morning, I was walking with my mom, and our neighbor (laughs) was outside, and our neighbor was saying that no one in the neighborhood likes her. And she's like, "I, I feel like I know what it's like to be black and have no one in the neighborhood like you and accept you and want you there. Okay. (laughs) I was like... I'm my face. I was just like, <laughs> what the, where is this going from what? here? But, and then she pointed out, you know, there's a Muslim family and they're so nice. And I was like, what's happening? Right. Oh but man. I'm just like, I, I know that this person is a nice woman. Yeah. Um, but I wish that people would just shut the fuck up. Sure. Like just stop. Mm. That'd be like me being like, I was, I faced prejudice today. Now I know what Caleb feels like. Right. As a gay. Like, oh, stop. It's like, really? You do? Okay. No. Sure. You don't. Right. Like, I think that is interesting for, you know, privileged people to experience, you Mm -hmm. know, is some, like, empathy, right, towards um, communities who are othered or who experience oppression or, you know... um, I don't know, like a social outlook that is like negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they'll never, they'll never fully experience it, you know, because they don't have to, because they have this privilege mm-hmm. that was, you know, given to them, right? Um, but it is interesting to see them start to put pieces together, like, oh, this is must, this must be what it's like. I know, and, and part like, of me is okay, like, yeah, that's bitch, cute. now you know what it was like <laughs> to be redlined, right? But and should I be happy that she had that? connection mm, and aha sure. moment and just stop you mm-hmm. know being a bitch yeah. about her saying that she she now knows what it's like to be a black person i don't know but probably right because right. at least she made that connection mm-hmm. but you're right they'll never know but it is nice when they get just a little 
But this is kind of what taste. we're asking for for them. Yeah. Right? Is this like empathy? Like just think about what it would be like to be on the other side of, you know, the social ire mm-hmm. of like nobody liking you or wanting to be seen with you yeah. or like what that would mean about them. Mm-hmm. Or that like people would misunderstand you because of the way you dress or the way that you look or the whatever. Mhm. I have another question. Okay, I have an answer. I know you do. Potentially. And this kind of has to do with something you had mentioned before we um, started recording today. But you have a lot of straight male friends. Oh, I do. You do. (laughs) You probably have more straight male friends than I have white friends that I talk to on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's dig in. Let's dig. Let's do it. <laughs> so, okay, ans- ask your question. There's so many things I want to know. Like, first of all, do you ever have crushes on straight people? That's mm. just tea I want spilled. Yeah. Second, what is that like for you? And w- what's that like for them? Uh, wow. Okay, so this is definitely something that I feel like I've been, like, struggling with, right? That, like, I'm digesting this, this kind of situation. Because it is something that I feel like I've developed over the past, I don't know, a couple of years is that I have these, you know, good friendships with straight men. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard because I have developed crushes on some of them, you know, that like I do find myself, you know, um, finding them attractive or, um, you know, appreci- what? Flirting. Flirting. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a flirt anyway. Like I, I flirt know. with everybody. I know. Um but it is it's it's difficult too because I know that they're they're I'm not what they're looking for and I'm okay with that, um, and I know that our friendship is you know secure in a lot of ways because of the fact that they like approach me you know I think like the way that like they deal with um, our friendship and it's open and it's like accepting and. Um, I can flirt and they like aren't bothered by it, you know, because I, I think they know that it's in jest, you know, that I can, I can flirt without it meaning anything really beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can think they're attractive, but I don't want a relationship with them. Right. And I don't want to fuck them. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that those things have to be separated. Right. That like I can find them attractive and I can find them, you know, whatever. And I can flirt with them. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like I want in their pants, Mm -hmm. you know, that I'm going to go out of my way to get in their pants, you know. Um, So that friendship can exist in a way that is healthy for the both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do find myself wondering whether or not like I'm like the token gay friend. Mm. You know what I mean? That, like, I never want to, never want to hear about them saying that they can't be homophobic because they have a friend who's gay. You know what I mean? Do you think that doesn't happen? I don't know. I hope it doesn't. But, like, I've found myself in this situation that, like, actually is causing me some kind of, like, mental duress. That I had this friend. <clears throat> we're not friends anymore. I've decided not we're not friends. Um, because he's dating this person, this woman who works for Ron DeSantis and he doesn't understand why that would bother me. That like, I'm not mad at him for dating a woman and not me. That's not like why I'm mad at him. I'm mad at him because I feel like he has dropped 
the value on on my life mm -hmm. that my life doesn't matter as much to him as you know being with this woman who is working to actually actively and literally destroy you know my access to a full life mm -hmm. you know like it's a good thing i don't live in florida mm -hmm. because fuck that mm -hmm. right and it's like it's just so frustrating to me that like he doesn't see it so do you think i mean clearly he's probably someone who feels like he is open and accepting of all people well we were really close we were friends you know and like we so would hang out pretty is he regularly. able to compartmentalize like that relationship aside from the things he thinks he believes in well, you know I, what i mean sure and i wonder if he's compartmentalizing her and like what she does for work you know what i mean mm -hmm. but i feel like that's have to well yeah but like it's just it's wild to me that that's a thing too and maybe i'm in the wrong too maybe i'm like being too aggressive about her you know because Maybe she's actually not a bad person, but like, how can you, how can you work? How can you work for a shitty person? And or, not? yeah, and especially at that level, right? Where Ron DeSantis is like running for president, right? Mm -hmm. That like, and what he's tried to do or has done in Florida is so anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. That like, how do you separate that? Yeah. Or can you? And I don't think you can. I don't either. It kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with Robin um, just that for me with my family, mm. I, if you believe that what's happening in Florida is the way to go, or if you believe mm. in book bans, or mm -hmm. if you believe in abolishing critical race theory, like we can't really have a relationship. Right. Because those things directly counter my core values yeah. and beliefs and my family and, and will and affect people like you and people like me yeah right that they mm -hmm. support a kind of um ignorance mm -hmm. right and if not like only like actively enforce it too legally mm -hmm. right like making laws that restrict access to health care um restrict um even education in an educational system mm -hmm. talking about, you know, alternative lifestyles, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, and like just trying to dismantle inclusivity in general. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I just saw that like Governor Abbott in Texas is like taking away the, um, it's like a program of equity and inclusion. Oh, and just today, um, affirmative action has pretty much been flushed down the toilet. Right. So, it's yeah okay. it's it's so wild to me to like that people with privilege can compartmentalize and say like ooh i'm gonna vote republican mm -hmm. and not see how that directly affects people in their life who they love or claim to love mm -hmm. you know that like loving a person who is of color or a person who is you know a part of the lgbtq community involves also trying to like protect them and their lives mm -hmm. and their access to things like healthcare and you know programs that help all the issues of you know race and homophobia like uh poverty or social economic class or like redlining all these things right that like and i'm not saying the democrats are you know better quote unquote or like but they're not actively trying to push legislation right it's not a part of their like of their immediate agenda right their ideology yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. for sure um and i hate that binary the democrat versus republican situation but it does it definitely does feel, you know, like fascist versus not fascist or communism, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, 
I don't know. It's so gross to get into. I know. Because there's a lot to dismantle and there's a lot to like figure out and I don't know, identify and this nuance and blah, blah, blah. But it does sometimes to me feel pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. But like if you're going to vote Republican, that means you don't care about me. Mm-hmm. I also hate being a token friend. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Well, luckily in my adult life, I'm not in very many situations where my friends actually make me feel like I'm a token because I've been very choosy with friends, basically. Mm -hmm. But my family does. And that's why, (laughs) you know, I'm like, "Eh, if if I hear something that sounds wrong, we're done. Right. Like, I just don't have space for that. Right. Especially as a mom. I'm like, I'm trying to create team kid family members. Like, if Mm -hmm. you are not 100% on our side when it comes to protecting the world and ensuring that my children have a place to feel safe and thrive in as they continue to grow, then we cannot move forward in life together Mm. in our relationship. Yeah. And I've been pretty hard on that line since 2020. Mm. I just made the decision. Like if you don't, if you're not actively working to support the things that we need to thrive as black people, then mm. you are actively working against us. And if yeah. here's your chance to get it together. And if you don't do it, you're out. Right. I just don't have time. And same thing with people who are homophobes, same thing with people who are bigots. Mm. I just don't have time or space for it. And I was thinking today about, there's a quote by, I think James Baldwin, but it talks about how the moderate whites are like terrifying mm. because they yeah. are not conservative, but they won't speak up. Mm-hmm. And I, that's kind of where I'm at. If you, if you refuse yeah. to say anything, you're out mm-hmm. because right. I'm <clears throat> not going to be your token. My children aren't here to just, you know, watch through a fishbowl and see what happens. Right. Like these are my They're people yes, yeah. who need to grow up mm-hmm. and thrive. Yeah. Be supported and encouraged to be themselves and to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Ugh. heavy yeah it's it just i feel like it just opens up this like this world of um how do we go about tackling anti-racism mm-hmm. anti-homophobia um it's it almost just feels like and i wonder if this is true for you do you feel like mm, i'm gonna segue hold on real quick it's i feel like i saw on some like on a meme or like on the internet somewhere that it was like make racists afraid again mm. you know and i don't think that like in the larger culture when people like steve king could be congress people for so long that like racists aren't afraid of being racist They're anymore not. Right? donald trump basically waved the green light mm-hmm. for racists and fucking crazy people right to come out of the woodwork totally. like i've never been so scared being a black woman as I was um, during the 2020 presidential Mm -hmm. campaign. I mean, the NAACP basically told black people, don't go anywhere alone. Mm -hmm. Don't go anywhere after dark. And if you have to go somewhere, make a plan and tell people where you are. Well, the rise in hate crimes was uh, peaked Uh after his election. Even here in Cedar Rapids, Mm -hmm. you could, people felt so comfortable with wearing all of their psychotic you know paraphernalia yes and it's 
it was not it was scary not a safe place i so i moved here in 2016 mm-hmm. and i remember the day after the election and just feeling so defeated and terrified mm-hmm. like i had just moved to this fucking farm town like we're gonna lynch you <laughs> we're gonna sacrifice right. you like and i had just moved from new york where i felt like you know i could be myself wherever right. you know and then i moved here and i was like well fuck well shit <laughs> there goes that yeah so um it, it it does for me feel like homophobia or racism just has like a, a kind of a louder voice right now mm-hmm and even even since you know Biden got elected or whatever, that is like still like I want people to be afraid of being racist around me, and I want mm-hmm. people to be afraid of being homophobic around me. Mm-hmm. That like it does say something bad about you. That mm-hmm. you are bigoted, and that is not okay. You know. I know people are afraid to be like that around me only because I will start a conversation, and they're probably all thinking, right. "Please, Lord, don't let her open her mouth because we won't hear the end of it." And I will. I absolutely, if I hear something, I will say mm. something. Yeah, and I think that that comes into play with ignorance, mm-hmm. right? And I want to de- dig into that a little bit deeper, but I think we should probably give our listeners a break. Take what do a you break, think? Guys. Yeah, take a break. This has been a lot, but guess what? We love you. We love you, and we'll be back. Right, because we're here more. for you. <laughs> we are. love our music it's so soothing so soothing after babs yeah okay so (laughs) for our (laughs) listeners who weren't listening to us well gab while we were on break um i played people from uh the musical funny people by funny girl thank you funny girl barbara streisand and sarah had the odd audacity to say that she didn't like barbara streisand which i thought was pretty homophobic so (laughs) I don't know how to deal with my Robin life right now. I was also pretty disappointed. It's not that I don't like Babs. I just don't like love Babs. Her. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just mm-hmm. she lives it's in a It's not an act of it's space. not a dislike. It's just like yes. a not it's an absence of like Sure. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just yeah. lives in mm-hmm. the gray space sure. in my heart yeah. and mind. Mm-hmm. Cool. But somehow Caleb's takeaway is that I hate <laughs> the gays now. <laughs> uh, Which is not true. Right. We know it. Because I've got a gay friend sitting right across <laughs> from me right now. I love token him. Token gay friend My right token, here. Yes. Oh, so jumping back into that, actually, I just had this memory pop up of like being in theater in Chicago and having just come out of the closet And fully embracing being, like, the token gay. Because I think that there were so many ways that I didn't know how to just be myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that I was having this, like, I was putting myself into a different box. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I took myself out of, like... new identities. Exactly. And uh, it was so interesting that I feel like I kind of became the token gay and, like, all these, like gay numbers or whatever like we're like oh my god Caleb would be so perfect for this and it happens to me still sometimes when people are like oh my god Caleb you look like uh Jonathan Van Ness or like you're just like him and I'm like <laughs> oh okay yeah sure yes <laughs> two very you know visibly uh no like 
gay people, mm-hmm. pretty flamboyant. And it's like, oh my God, we're exactly the same. Yep, you chose the one gay person right. you could <laughs> recall by name <laughs> to compare me. To right. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I have that happen too. Sometimes people will tell me I look like, I don't know, some random ass black celebrity. Halle Berry. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Or you look like Beyonce. And I'm like, where okay (laughs) right like what are you talking about i think pretty highly of myself but i'm not delusional right but it's it's fine i mean i think you're iconic i am iconic but i don't look like beyonce (laughs) those are two very different statements right no true yeah wow there's that there's that so what were we talking about before before we told the people to take we were talking take a breather, about take five, you know, <laughs> we were talking about what it's like to have, I guess, be tokenized by your loved ones or friends. Oh, right. And what that experience is like. Yeah. That's. Mm, I don't know. I feel like my mind went blank because it's just it feels really big, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's really what it comes down to for me is that like as much as I don't want to be tokenized, as much as I want the people in my life to love me because of me, not, not in spite of me, but because of me, mm-hmm. all the parts of me, mm-hmm. you know, the parts of me that they don't, you know, I don't know, see clearly, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I don't want them to <clears throat> feel bad. You know, I don't want to like rail on them. You know what I mean? Showing them like how, much that hurts me i do you know but yeah so this speaks to like my people pleasing nature Mm -hmm. you know is that i don't want to rock the boat Mm -hmm. and i don't want to stand up for myself in a lot of ways um and i I have a hard time calling out homophobia when it comes up against me you know it doesn't mean that it hurts me any less but it's almost like a protective uh defense mechanism Mm -hmm. right when it comes up that like i feel like i shut down and i clam up because i don't want to get hurt Mm -hmm. you know but the uh, the the experience is it is hurting. Mm-hmm. Homophobia is painful. Mm-hmm. Racism is painful. You know, even in small ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you make an offhand remark that might be like slightly homophobic. Like if I don't know you and love you and care about you, like I'm going to think about that for a while. Well, why would someone you love and know and care about make a homophobic remark anyway? Right. Well, I think that comes from ignorance. Right. Yeah. That they don't know that that could be homophobic or racist or whatever you know what i mean yeah i think i feel like because you're really kind and you're you are a people pleaser Mm. like you're giving people the ignorant people like too much credit like they fucking know when they're saying shit that is wrong Mm. you don't have to you can be ignorant and stupid or you could be a pretty smart ignorant person they know when what they're saying sure is not not cool. Yeah, not cool. <laughs> they know. Yeah. But the the thing is, there's just no one around them that challenges that behavior. Mm. Because I'm always, I feel like what I hear sometimes in my, when I'm like with all of my white family. Mm. And not just like immediately, but after they start getting comfy or eat or mm-hmm. have a couple drinks. Then they start saying the shit that I'm sure they talk about when I'm not around. Sure. And I hear things that I'm like. I know that you know that's not okay. You're just, Mm. you have been in 
positions that allow that behavior and rhetoric mm. and speech to go unchecked. It almost just feels like you're seeing the tip of the iceberg, though, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, like, they're starting to open up a little bit about their, yeah. like, their views, they which are, like, problematic. Yes. Right. But, like, what's underneath, you know, just starting to talk about it. It's, like, this whole, like, realm of ideology yep. that exists under mm-hmm. the surface. Right? Or am I wrong about no, that? No, I agree. Yeah. It's it's wild to me because I, I feel so bad when I allow like people around me to say things that I'm not okay with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it comes down to is like a kind of like a, an activism in and of myself is like, I have to learn how to like be courageous about sticking up for myself and for the people that I love, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it hurts too. I think in some way to create distance to create that boundary. Right. And to say like, no, you can't talk that way around me or you can't say that about my friend or you can't talk that way around about black people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not okay with that. And our friendship is on the line about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's exhausting. It I, really is. I actually um, made, I went on a little rant on my social media a couple of weeks ago because I realized it had been um, the anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And I was just thinking about how much my life has changed since that day Mm -hmm. and all the iterations of podcasts I've had since then and how I really started flexing my activist muscle and how I had to become really okay with what I said, whether other people condoned it or not. Mm. And I had to actually, when I made the decision, like, you know what, I'm going to reallocate my spending. I'm going to start calling this shit out when I hear it. I'm not going to fuck with you if I don't see that you are trying Mm. to embrace an anti-racist life. Like it is isolating and hard and uncomfortable every single day. The isolation is so real. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's a fun place for me to be in or like I enjoy cutting off my family members when I find out that they're closet bigots. Mm. But also I'm like, if this is the work I'm doing, Mm -hmm. then there isn't a gray area. You're either going to do the work with me or you're not. And if you're not, then you can't come. Mm -hmm. And if I give you the opportunity to (coughs) seek out education or change your mind about something that you believe and you don't take it, then that's your chance. I'm not going to be held responsible for your ignorance. Right. Or if you now are aware that your your worldview is not widely held or acceptable, like that's not my problem. Right. I don't care about your feelings because you clearly don't care about my feelings. Mm. You don't care about my life. You've made that perfectly clear. Yeah. So I can't feel bad for you. Yeah. I wonder about something you just said. I'm not responsible for your ignorance that. I feel like kind of hit me across the face a little bit because I think I have this problem with taking responsibility for other people's shit, Mm -hmm. right? That I like identify with it or I feel like that's my problem. Um, And their ignorance is their responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? And that I have to hold them accountable for that, Mm -hmm. right? That there are consequences for that shit. But I'm also not responsible to educate them either. No. Right? Like this is what we were talking about with your previ- with your ex, mm-hmm. right? Is that like you're not responsible to be the one to educate him. Mm-hmm. That this is work that we're all doing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm doing work on myself, you know, to stop being such a people pleaser. There's mm-hmm. something that I'm, I've realized about myself recently. And it's also not my job to teach you to not be a turf no. or to not, you know, be transphobic or to understand like the different ways that you're homophobic against me or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or the way that the 
cis white patriarchy is affecting so much of our lives mm-hmm. and is creating this oppressive, you know, weight around our necks. Yeah. Responsibility. Not your responsibility. Right. But it's also a- accountability is the biggest thing. Yeah. And I'm happy to create accountability for those who want to do the work. Mm. (coughs) But also there's plenty of people who don't, they're not interested in learning or Mm. they're not interested in being better or changing. Right. Um, With my ex in particular, he was one of those men who was extremely well-traveled. He also came from a lower to middle-class white family. So Mm. I feel like when you're, when you're poor and when you travel and you're still a cis hetero white man, like you then are like, well, I've seen things in the world and I know what it's like for people in Asia. And it's like, I'm cool. I'm okay. I, yes, you have seen poverty in ways that don't apply to humans here in America. Mm. I'll give you that. But that doesn't mean that you have a better handle on like when it's okay to be a bigot and you know, when it's, wrong right or that doesn't make you racist right it doesn't make you not racist right just because you've Mm. like lived in a village in africa right like you had no choice Mm -hmm. what were you supposed to do just like i have no choice Mm -hmm. to live where i live right it just it is what it is but that would always really bother me because he'd be like you complain about america it's way worse than other places i'm like i know why Right, but, but that's a straw here. man argument, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a it's a logical fallacy to say like, oh, okay, but let's actually look at this other thing. It's like, but that's not the conversation, right? You know what I mean? You're saying look over here, but th- that's not it, right? Like, why can't we talk about the ways that the, the United States is fucked up? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like one of those things where like, if you complain so much, like, why don't you just move? Why don't you just leave? Yeah, you know, it's like that's Go not going to be the answer. From. Like, why would that in any way ever be an answer? Ever? Yeah. If you ever use that argument, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck off, mm-hmm. honestly, because you're not interested in having an actual conversation. Yeah, Ugh. it's just a deflection. It really mm. is, and th- those kind of logical fallacies happen so often in conversations about race and about homophobia. Mm-hmm. You know, or in any conversation about. Um, a minority or an oppressed group, marginalized mm-hmm. community, like ableist people or um, whatever. It's just, it's, it's so frustrating. Ugh. Have you, I have another question. Yeah. Have you ever had a straight male friend of yours, like indicate to you that there needed to be distance created in your relationship? Because of me being gay? Yes. Um, Like maybe it was because of their own insecurity or mm. maybe they were like, I feel like you have a crush on me. Or maybe it was like when we're out in public, like I feel uncomfortable or we're getting looks. Right. Yeah, that does happen. And I don't think it's ever said, you know, explicitly, but I can tell, you know, that there's a difference sometimes when like we're hanging out, you know, like alone, you know, versus when we're around other people or l- around other people that they know, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I get treated. And sometimes that's happened. And that makes me feel small. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me feel, you know, uh, devalued or um, <laughs> like whatever. Like it just it's it's not fun. No. Do you ever bring that stuff up to those friends? Um. No, I don't because I'm a people pleaser, you know, and I'm not going to call it out. 
You better stop. I know. Right now. I'm working on it, honestly. And because this is I like. I would be pissed if you allowed <clears throat> me to act right. in a way that was hurtful to you and you mm. never told me. Right. And so this is also part of the conversation is that like there are people in my life that I do feel like I could have that kind of conversation with, you know, where it would be safe for me to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other relationships that aren't as valuable to me where I, you know, don't feel as bad letting that relationship just die away. Die away. Mm-hmm. You know, or I create more distance mm-hmm. because I, that doesn't feel safe mm-hmm. you know so i yeah i mean with you absolutely because i think we have these conversations pretty consistently mm-hmm. you know and i would absolutely hope that you would do the same for me you know that if i ever made you feel you know othered that you would tell me i would yeah but i don't know if you would tell me i would really yes because part of me feels like you love me so much that you wouldn't want to hurt my feelings mm. No, because I feel like I have hurt your feelings before in the past. Really? I don't know. Like, I think our relationship is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. You know, that, like, we would be able to, like, our relationship would survive these things because I think we're open to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's really what it comes down to for me, for people who are coming into my life. You know, if I can't trust you and I can't trust our relationship to survive a conversation like this, Mm -hmm. then the relationship really isn't for me. Yeah. You know? At the level that I wanted it to be. I totally agree with that. And I think that has a lot to do with self-care. Yeah. Right? And this like self-improvement that we've been going through. Mm-hmm. is like learning what relationships need to die. Mm-hmm. Or change. Mm-hmm. You know, like the friend that I was talking about. You know, like that relationship has changed drastically over the past year. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and like since I've gotten sober, a lot of relationships have changed and shifted. Mm-hmm. Because, you know... Our values are different. And I'm working on healing myself, you know, from yeah. my trauma and, you know, not running away from my problems and not trying to be a people pleaser anymore. You know, I'm, I'm growing. I'm proud of you for that. Thank you. It's hard. It is. It's hard to see, like, relationships <clears throat> die. I call some of those friendships legacy friendships. Like, mm. friendships you've just had or relationships you've kept for a long time that don't necessarily support like who you are becoming or where you're Mm, at today. mm -hmm. And I feel like with my adopted family, I have had to end a lot of relationships or put distance Mm. um, or end create a boundary. Yes. And legacy relationships based on the fact that our values just have completely taken separate paths Mm, mm -hmm. and we'll probably not align ever again. Yeah. Which is sad because then it feels like you're letting a piece of you go as well. Mm. But I guess, you know, all is fair in love love and and growth. (laughs) I was going to say. Yeah. Love and growth. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think for those of our listeners who aren't part of marginalized communities, like, I think it comes down to, like, what it is that you value. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and this is something I heard in another podcast recently was that. Um, this person was a transgender man and they, uh, he was kind of talking about straight people who have never done the work to like question their gender or like why that work is kind of important. Mm -hmm. Right. And that a lot of queer people have done that work Mm -hmm. and are kind of constantly like in, in digestion of what that is and what that looks like. And with these people who are in privilege, never do that work. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's work that is good for everybody to do, mm-hmm. you know, so like, 
in what ways are you racist? What ways do you like hold on to these views about people who are other than you Mm -hmm. or look different than you? Like, it's so important to do that work and to question and to have an open mind and to, uh, you know, develop friendships with people who are other than you. Mm-hmm. People that, you know, you can actively invest in. Mm-hmm. Because we're around, you know, and we're don't treat everywhere. us like a token. Like, we're not your token friends. I'm not going to no, be your token gay friend. <sighs> yeah. Just Ugh. mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what else What else do you feel like that's important for our listeners to, you know, know going forward? Yeah, I think just do the work. Question everything about yourself. And I think only when you are questioning everything about yourself do you even earn the right to question things about other people. Right. Because I hate when people are... You know, it's like, how do you know you're gay? It's like, well, how do you know you're straight? Right. No one had to put you through a series of tests, mm, you know, to mm-hmm. examine your cis heteronormative that you are just right. grasping onto with dear life. But you want <coughs> anyone that identifies outside of that box mm-hmm. to like test that. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just so weird. And I feel like the older I get, and the more intentional I am about dismantling my beliefs um, that may or may not be true, um, I don't know. It just makes me f- realize I have a lot of work to do, but also so does everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be around people that refuse to do the work. Yeah. And I think it really, yeah, knowing where in your life those there's a prompt to question further, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you've never dated outside of your race, why? Mm -hmm. You know, like if you have a gay friend that you only let so far in or you you feel different when you're around a group of people with them, Mm -hmm. like why? Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to say really quick because Robin is looking like it's time to go. So I posted this photo. This is a funny story that has nothing to do with (laughs) what we're talking about i posted a photo on our facebook page promoting our podcast yeah and it was of you and i (gasps) it was taken by the beautiful forest more forest is amazing we love forest we love you forest love you forest and it was a beautiful picture and it was us like lying in a pasture and we were Uh, looking godly yes shining beautiful and i was announcing season two of our podcast and i said also, consider this our engagement photo. And everyone was like, congratulations. And I was like, thanks. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, maybe Wait. they're just excited about our season two. Right. So then I got a card um, in the mail a couple, well, it was probably last week. And it was from an old realtor who yeah. had I had worked with. But she sent me a card congratulating me on my engagement. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, I'm so excited for you. I should be so lucky. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, I I know that, you know, you were just, you'd never felt like this would happen for you. And I'm so happy that you found someone and let me know if like you need any help in the future. Right. You know, cause I would be cohabitating with you, my, my spouse. Yeah. Your fiance. Yeah. My fiance. (laughs) 
<laughs> this morning I was walking and this realtor's also a neighbor and oh, she was like, did you, I'm so excited for you on your engagement. Oh and I was my like, God. Amy. <laughs> I was like, that was an announcement for my podcast that with my so extremely funny. gay co-host who oh would probably die if he was ever forced to be intimate <laughs> with me in any way. And she laughed really hard and she oh, could not believe she did that. But I just That is so funny. I was so tickled. Yeah. That I'm like, clearly you guys never listen to the show. Right. Like you think that we're actually engaged. <laughs> so it was like a nice little test. That is funny. But then I also wanted to make a registry and just Post yeah. It yes. Absolutely. And see who gets me gifts. <laughs> but I told her I'm like I'm gonna say that on my podcast. We should have the Caleb and Sarah engagement <laughs> registry. We should. If you want to buy us a gift? Go ahead. We can ask for. Things I won't to stop you. Our, um, <laughs> our space. No, I was just so uh, tickled. By oh, that. I'm so dead. I know it was. It was some good comic relief for oh, me. Oh, man. So if anyone wants to buy us a wedding gift or an engagement yeah, present. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. We'll put the link down below for our registry. Yeah, wrap it up and it for us. <laughs> oh, oh God. Times. I love it. I love it. Well, too. Sarah, I have to tell you that I love you. And thank you for having these kinds of conversations with me. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of times I'm fleshing these out when it happens. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, these are the com good conversations. I feel like we have a lot of good convos. You're someone who I can talk about anything with. Oh, I just value you so much. Not as much as I value you. Oh, stop it. You stop. <laughs> Fiance. Stop it right now. Love you forever. I love you forever. And we love you listeners. We love you forever, ever. Forever, ever. We'd love you even more if you like, share, subscribe to our podcast. Go follow us on social media mm. at Other the Podcast. Um, you can also subscribe to Upload Media Plus, mm -hmm. where you get that thing. bonus content. Stuffs and things. You can tell Upload Media why you love us so much. Right. And just tell them that you love us so much. Right. And, um, yeah, all types of surprises. Mm, it's support sleeve. of local artists support and creators. local. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We know you love to do that. We know you do. So get do on it. it. And on that note. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>